You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Well, if it is true that the church is the moral conscience of the nation, as we are to be salt and we are to be light, maybe the blame for why we're at this point has to fall upon the shoulders of Christ church. We just went through a series on eight disciplines of a godly life. I think every one of you would agree that our country is under a moral attack. This is coming from the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. However, we have to be men and women that lift up the standard of morality. We have to be. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight, the importance of raising that standard. First Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> Furthermore, therefore, we beseech you, brother, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For ye know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, sexual immorality, like I just read to you. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know. We should know this. We should know how to possess his vessel, our bodies, in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence. That, that's what this bill is. That's concupiscence. Lasciviousness. Reprobation. Perversion. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto what? Holiness. The very thing that's missing in the majority of our churches today. Holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Holiness. Be ye holy for what? I am holy. He is our standard of holiness that we're to attempt to achieve. We all know the song, Sound the What? If there's ever been a time to sound the battle cry, it's right now. What is moral freedom? What I just read to you in that bill is moral slavery. That is not freedom. So what is moral freedom? Moral freedom is having your physical drives under the control of the what? Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. What? 
temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's the ability. Moral freedom is the ability to resist Satan's temptations. And his temptations are everywhere, aren't they? And very, very accessible to us today. It's making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its sensual desires. Of course, there we have a picture of who? Joseph. Joseph. See, he had his physical drives under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's the power to do what you ought, not the freedom to do whatever you want. I'm going to read that again. It's the power. Moral freedom is the power to do what you ought. It's not the freedom to do whatever you want. That bill, what is that? The freedom to do whatever you want. It's the ability to love others with the love of God, which is first pure. Moral freedom is the freedom to look down and to look away when you're faced with moral temptations. Look down, look away. Don't gaze upon and ponder. Not very many are resisting in our day and age. Wisdom is the ability to identify the immoral traps that Satan has set everywhere. Aren't they? Be honest with you. They're everywhere. That's why we got to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, <clears throat> because the day in which we live is very, very evil. So there's this great war. What is the war between the spirit and the flesh? We give in to the flesh. We cannot do the things that we ought to do. This I say, walk in the Spirit. Say it with me, ready? And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Could it be that the reason we are where we are at now as a nation, where this is even being considered in Congress, is because we as a church have not been walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit. God desires the spirit to control the soul and the soul to control the body. Say, <clears throat> so what, 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 what are you talking about there? I'm talking about Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be what? Filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the filling of the Holy Spirit, I, I preach about it all the time. I try to teach you what it's all about and how to live a spirit-filled life. It's a real emphasis of our ministry here, but it really comes down to that. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you controlled by the Holy Spirit? If not, the flesh is going to take over. So the Spirit controls the soul. The soul controls the body. You have your mind, your soul. You have your what? Will. And you have your emotions. Who wants to control all of those things? Satan wants to control them. Who else wants to control them? And there's the battle, isn't it? There's the battle between the flesh and between the spirit. 
Question, who's controlling your mind? Who's controlling your will? Who is controlling your emotions? If it's the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have moral freedom. If it's not, then you're going to be in bondage to the flesh. When we're talking about sensuality, we're talking about more than just sexual sensuality. The senses, the five senses, and how Satan appeals to all of those senses in order to bring ruin into our lives and even into our nation. He uses those five senses to bring temptation. And when we give things we see, the things we hear, the things we touch, the things we smell. He will use all of that. That which puts us into consciousness with the world around us. He's going to use that to bring temptation to us. Because his ultimate goal is to get us to what? When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's what this is all about. I'm telling you right now, if this passes, it's going to be the death of many of our churches. It's going to be the ruination, complete ruination of our country. And I'm here to, if they don't succeed in this step, they're not going to stop. It's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And what does the Bible say? Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived just prior to the coming of our Lord. I've had people tell me before, Pastor, I wish you were more positive in your preaching. <laughs> well, I want to tell you something. There's not a whole lot as we live in this world to be real positive about except Jesus is coming. Amen. Amen. Remember these three characters? Remember that little song we used to sing? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is what? Looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That's pretty important, isn't it? Lifting up that standard of morality. So what takes place in your body if it's under the control of a spirit-filled soul? There'll be bondage. There'll be bondage. If your soul is not under the control of the Holy Spirit. But if it is under the control of the Holy Spirit, there'll be what? There'll be freedom. So it really is a choice. How are you going to live your life? Are you going to live your life in body? Isn't it terrible when a person lives their life under an addiction? Whether it's a drug addiction or a sexual addiction or any other addiction. It's just a horrible thing. Moral slavery. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. I think he's referring to the church here but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to what? Dishonor. If a man therefore will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. That's the kind of vessel we all should be. A vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. 
And then it says this, flee also youthful lust. Run. You want to be morally free? Do exactly what Joseph did. Run. Right? Don't think that you can stand there and face it. You run from it. You avoid it. Flee also youthful lust, but follow. There's the fleeing and following principle that you find throughout Scripture. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Get the right friends around your life. That they may recover themselves out of the snare. He snared you. These traps, these moral traps are all around. If we're not careful, we'll step into them. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive. That's not freedom. That's bondage. Are taken captive by him at his will. So either God's will is going to be lived out in our lives or Satan's will is going to be lived out in our lives. One is bondage, the other is freedom. You know, that's a good principle, don't touch. The Bible said for if a man <clears throat> to avoid fornication, it is good for him not to not to touch a woman. Keep your hands off. I think this is super, super important for our young people, for our teenage. Our teenage guys should not be hugging our teenage girls, and the teenage girls should not be hugging our teenage guys. Keep your hands off the girls. It's just part of moral free. That's why the truth is your first kiss should be right there when you stand behind or stand up on the platform and I pronounce you husband and wife. But how many of our young people are living in that type of freedom? You know why? Because we're listening to this world. We're listening and we're just following right along with the world. And now we're where we're at with this HR5 bill. It's, un it's unbelievable. What is the goal of the Christian life? 1 Timothy 1.5, I think, kind of nails it here. So the goal of the Christian life is to have love that springs from a pure heart. Three things mentioned here. A pure heart... What's the next one? A good conscience. We'll talk about the conscience. And the next one? Genuine faith. That is the goal of the Christian life, to have a pure heart, to have a good conscience, void of offense toward God and man, a good conscience, and living out your faith. Genuine, true faith. Not hypocritical faith. Genuine, true faith. This love is only possible when moral freedom is being experienced in a person's life, and that's the passage that we've just read. The essence of genuine love is what? Giving. For God so loved that he gave. So true love is giving. The essence of lust 
is what? Getting. And that's how love is being defined today. What can I get instead of what can I give? I always heard when I was growing up, true love can wait. Lust can't wait. Lust demands fulfillment now. Could that be why our divorce rate is so high? How does moral impurity begin in an individual's life? I think we can go back to the Garden of Eden and we can draw some understanding from the fall of man. Moral impurity begins in our lives in the same way that it began in the life of Eve in the Garden of Eden. First of all, was natural curiosity. Satan got her curious, didn't he? Now, is there anything wrong with curiosity? No, not, not if it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. She had the means by which to fulfill her curiosity. She could have eaten of all the trees of the garden. Except what? One. That's like, don't touch wet paint. You just got to touch it. It's better not to put up the sign. Right? Better not to put up the sign. No, she could have satisfied her curiosity <coughs> righteously. I'll, I'll say this. First of all, what was she doing hanging around that tree? We must never, ever gain knowledge of evil by experience. Well, I need to experience in order to know whether it's good or bad. No, 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 no. We need to discern with our spirit whether something is evil. The conscience. And then we reject it. The awakening of the conscience. Aren't you glad God gave man a conscience? I'm very thankful for the conscience that the Lord has given me. Your conscience, I'll call it God's alarm system. Or it should be God's alarm system. It's activated whenever you approach evil or evil approaches you, your conscience to start going, burr, 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 danger, danger. That's what we call a good conscience, a strong conscience, a pure conscience. Your conscience will tell you when something is wrong, even if others try to convince you that it's right. It's okay to smoke pot. It's okay to vape. It's okay to kiss and hug and fondle just as long as you don't go all the way. It's okay to divorce your husband or your wife. That's okay. Everybody's doing it. There's nothing wrong with attraction to the opposite sex. 
but your conscience screams. Or should I say it should? I believe we have lost our conscience as a nation. The first sign that your conscience has become awakened is the question that comes to your mind, is this right? As soon as that question comes to your mind, is this right? It should be an indication to you that what? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He that doubteth is damned. If you fail to listen to this signal, you will then begin to think of reasons why the activity in question is all right. Well, there's nothing. It's legal now. Just because something is legal doesn't make it right. And by the way, let me tell you this. Your conscience will operate on whatever standard you put into it. So you better put the standard of God's word into it. Then comes the rationalization. This should be another signal to you that you are actively, what you're involved in is, is, is wrong. Questioning is wrong. You begin to rationalize. You begin to justify. Here, here's one way. We, well, that church does it. That spiritual leader says it's okay. So-and-so is involved in it. My friends don't see anything wrong with it. The rationalization. And here's one thing that I've found and I've watched over the years. When, when this begins to happen, when you don't listen to your conscience and then the rationalization of what you're doing comes into play, you start, you, you start putting around you people that agree with you. You, you you look for a support network. You know why? Because your conscience is screaming at you. And you're not listening. You don't want to listen to it. Now, it's very dangerous. We're going to get there to a moment. You should stop. When you start to rationalize something, it should be an indication to you, stop. When you start to get other people around you to support what you're doing, you should stop. Because you'll always find someone to agree with you. <clears throat> the conscience. I'd encourage you all to study the conscience. There's 32 times that it is mentioned in the New Testament. The Bible said our conscience either accusing us or excusing us. So if your conscience is working... I'm not saying it's working in everybody's life. But if your conscience is working, it will accuse you or it will excuse you. The Bible talks about a good conscience. What would you think a good conscience is? One that works or doesn't work? Oh, it works. It works good. It's a good conscience. Then there's a what? The Bible talks about a pure conscience. We're to keep our conscience pure. Bible talks about a what? A clear conscience. A good conscience, a pure conscience, a clear conscience. 
and it talks about a strong conscience. Now, that's the kind of conscience that every one of us should have. But then on the other hand, there's four others that are talked about. One is a weak conscience. Why would your conscience become weak? So I... Well, we're going to get to seared here in a minute, but jumping ahead, Joe. How does something become weak? Through inactivity. You're not putting the word of God into your soul. You ever, you've heard me say this, we need to get into the word of God and we need to get the word of God into us. You don't do that, you're going you're to become weak in your conscience. Then there's what the Bible calls a defiled conscience. Ooh, it's all dirtied up. The eye of the body is the eye. If thy eye be clear, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Referring to the eye as being light, being that which lets light into the body. If the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? The conscience becomes defiled. Weak, defiled, Joe said it, it becomes what? Seared. Doesn't work anymore. But listen, that, it doesn't stop there. Look at this digression. This is where we are now as a nation, evil. They call evil good and good evil they put light for darkness and darkness for light that is where we are the vanishing of a nation's conscience we should have expected this when we removed the bible and we removed prayer from our public institutions and we started teaching evolution we should have just expected that where we are today with this bill, we would have gotten there. I'll tell you, when uh, President Obama had the White House lit up with the colors of the rainbow to celebrate same-sex marriage, this is what I thought. It's done. It's over. I put this one up there. Abortion is health care. Can you? What a disconnect. You know, I think of Daniel and Julia's little boy there and all they went through to save his life where in the next room over they would take the life of a child that very same age that's the vanishing of a conscience that's why God's word do you all Understand how important it is to be in the Word and have the Word in you and, and go to a church where the Word of God is preached, where compromises are not. We see, I am sick of compromise. I'm just sick of it. 
every judges, darkest days in the history of the nation of Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The standard was gone. The conscience had become evil. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's where we're at now. I um, turned on uh, One American News today uh, because our congressman was on there. And Brother Wahlberg did a tremendous job. Right now, they're having a hearing on shutting down Fox News, Newsmax, and One American News. The Democrats are trying to shut down those three news networks. Back to the garden. Where did it all start? Eve began to question the word of God. Yea, hath God said? She didn't need to think about that. Yes, God had said. Yea, has God said that homosexuality is wrong? Yes, God has said that homosexuality is wrong. It's an abomination. There's 15 different terms given to it. Yes, it's wrong. It always will be wrong. Well, it's okay to... It's okay to divorce. And yet the Bible said it's till death do us part. Hey, hath God said everybody else... I'm going to be honest with you, I am one of the few preachers in this area that hold to the permanency of marriage anymore. I didn't used to be in the minority. I am in way down in the minority. Hmm, we better rethink this. I want to tell you something, we better stop rethinking things. We better get back to what the Word of God says. Oh, you know, having a drink once in a while, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. But wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Oh, that's just re... I know a lot of preachers that drink. Let's just rethink this thing. That was where he got the foothold. You don't have to rethink the Bible. The Bible says what it says. It means what it says. If Satan can get you to question the word of God, <clears throat> then he can tempt you to distort its meaning or to deny it altogether. Well, maybe God didn't. So now the sensual focus begins. She was sensually focused on a piece of fruit. By listening to Satan, Eve's mind began to doubt what God had said and the reasons for which God said it. Maybe God's keeping something from me. Instead of resisting the devil, she continued to look at the forbidden fruit and soon she lusted after it, and we know the end of the story, right? 
If we allow ourselves to continue to look at what God has forbidden or visualized the potential delight or pleasure in partaking of it, our minds, we will certainly give in to that temptation. Are you all with me? Are you getting this tonight? David's sin with Bathsheba is a perfect illustration of this. As you look at that picture right there, what should he have done as soon as he saw Bathsheba? Look down and walk away. Do you think his conscience was operating right then? Do you? Yes or no? But was he listening? I'm sure David's, a man after God's own heart, his conscience had to be screaming at him. Get out of there. Get away. Run. But he did exactly what Eve did. Well, let me think about this. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust is conceived, let me think about this. It bringeth forth what? Don't think about it. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Satan, Satan will bring all kinds of things to your mind how you can justify sin. We violate our conscience. We violate our conscience when we consciously do what we know in our heart. Sorry, heart is wrong. How many of you here have ever done something you knew was wrong? And your conscience was saying, don't go there, don't do that, but you overrode your conscience. You do that enough times, what happens to your conscience? Becomes weak, becomes defiled, becomes seared, becomes, can become evil. Do you know we have churches today across our land that are ordaining homosexuals? Guilt. The awakening of guilt. <clears throat> I always say this, you know why we feel guilty? Because we are guilty. And then the psychologist, ah, that's just false guilt. Just take some pills. Guilt is to the conscience what pain is to the nervous system. How many have ever hit your thumb with a hammer? <laughs> you notice how your whole body kind of goes toward that one little thumb? The function of pain is to let you know there is damaging, damage occurring here. If we don't stop what we're doing, we're going to suffer even greater damage. Why, when you put your hand on a hot stove, do you, do you pull it back? Why? Hello, why? Because it hurts. What if you put your hand on that hot stove and said, hmm, that feels good. It's nice and warm. It doesn't smell too good, but boy. It... You know, I've never met anyone who doesn't have pain receptors, but I guess there are people that, that they can't feel pain, and they have to be so careful. 
it's a good thing when your conscience works and gives you a little prick. The function of guilt in the life of Adam and Eve, what happened here? They realized they were sinned. Did they feel guilty? They felt guilty because they were guilty. Were they ashamed of what they had done? But they were fearful of being caught. So does anyone know what did they do? They hid. Hmm. Don't we try to do that sometimes? Instead of just coming out and confessing it and making it right, we try to hide it. What was their response? I, I think sometimes their response is the same response that we have. The response to guilt violated the very purpose for guilt, which is to bring us to repentance and restored fellowship with the Lord. No, but they hid themselves. Like God couldn't see. The wrong response to guilt, <clears throat> they tried to cover their sin. What did David say happened when he tried to cover his sin? Day and night the hand of the Lord was heavy upon me. They tried to cover their sin by making themselves fig leaves. They tried to justify their sin. How did they do this? Blaming. The woman you gave to me, it was the serpent. We've all done this too, haven't we? Try to hide, then when found out, we try to blame. Here's kind of a sad thing. And I really hadn't thought much about this. But they had incomplete repentance. They felt bad, but they never confessed what they had done. There's no record of them ever repenting. that interesting? Have any of you ever had a child that you've literally caught in sin but they will not repent? How many ever had a kid like that? Well, I'm the only one? No repentance was ever found on their part. It's pretty sad. So how do we yield to sin? We experience a sinful desire. Name it, whatever. We visualize the sensual pleasure that we would receive if we involved ourselves in it. We make a decision, I'm going to fulfill that sensual desire. Now it could have been stopped prior to this because we all experience temptation, right? But we yield the members of our body to carry out that sinful pleasure. So the Bible talks all the time about not yielding. Then we become the servants of sin. Knowing not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So we experience a sinful desire. We visualize the sensual pleasure that we'll receive from being involved in that act. We make a decision to give in to that sensual desire. We then surrender the members of our body to carry out that sinful pleasure. And then we become the servants of sin. 
We yield our hands to click on a pornography website or to pick up sensual material or to watch an immoral movie. I mean, the truth is so many of us, right here, even tonight, I mean, the, the core nucleus of the church, we watch very sensual movies. We allow ourselves to be entertained by them. So what does that do to our morality? So we yield our hands. We yield our eyes to look at sensual material. We yield our mind to imagine the pleasure of getting involved in that sensual activity further evil. Hmm, no one will ever know. No one will ever find out. Satan's trap, isn't it? Satan's trap. How many times have I put this verse up there? Read it with me. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How do we yield to God? Let's reverse everything here. We experience a scriptural prompting. What would be a scriptural prompting? Someone tell me, what would be a scriptural prompting? Maybe taking a meal over to a neighbor, right? Give me another. What, what would be another scriptural prompting? How about coming to church? <laughs> do I have to give you all of these? You don't know what a, spirit, a scriptural prompting is? What's another... Praying, you're prompted to pray. Reading your Bible, you, okay, I got to get into the Word. What? To tithe, okay, or to give to someone in need. So there's a lot of scriptural promptings that come into our lives. Then we visualize the action that's required to obey that prompting. I got to cook a meal. Got to get dressed and go to church. Got to get a tie on because I have to lead music tonight. Right, Daniel? Amen. Amen. We make a decision to obey that prompting. Am I going to do it? How many have ever disobeyed a prompting of the Holy Spirit? Come on. <laughs> Maybe it was too much. Didn't have time. Just didn't want to. Don't like the person. But make a decision to obey the prompting. We then yield the members of our body to carry out God's prompting. Okay, I'm going to do this. We make, our decision confirms that we are now God's servants. Not the servant of sin, but we're now God's servants. All right, so here we go. This is the last slide. How does the development of moral impurity begin in our lives? Natural curiosity. Make sure it's under the control of the Holy Spirit or you're going to go to, to the wrong place and do the wrong thing. Next one, the awakening of what? The conscience. When your conscience starts screaming at you, what are you going to do? You're going to run away. Okay? I'm not going to participate in that. Next is the what? Questioning of God's word. Well, I know pastor said that and others have said that, but... I can go on YouTube and find someone who disagrees with pastor. 
I'll tell you, social media has done more to hurt the church of Jesus Christ. It, it has hurt pastoral leadership. You develop a sensual focus. Then there's the violation of the conscience, even though it's screaming at you. You know, and, and here's the thing is, the, mo the more we sin against our conscience, the less it works. You all, you all know this. There, you're watching something and you go, oh, well, that. And then you watch it again and you're, well. And then you watch it again. And what happens each time you watch? Get less and less sensitive. Less and less sensitive. And pretty soon you're being entertained by it. How did that go? Sin is a monster of such awful means, but to be hated needs but to be seen. But seen too oft, familiar with face, you first pity and then you embrace. That's what we've done. That we could embrace legislation like that. Violation of the conscience. Then we yield to sin. There's the awakening of guilt. Then there's our wrong response. We don't come to a place of repentance, but justification. We then cover our sin, best we know how. We justify our behavior, find others that sympathize with us, leave the church. I'm leaving that fundamental church and I'm going to go over on those contemporary churches where I can feel good about my sin and still worship God. There's incomplete repentance. And what does that lead to? Not freedom, but slavery. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.